guys, welcome to this week's episode of A Drummer's Guide 2. So this week I'm talking about something that is so close to my heart and it's something that I used to be so stuck up about and just totally got the wrong end of the stick, the drum stick, <laughs> and that is covers bands. I went from being so absent-minded when it came to covers bands. I thought I was too good to play in covers bands, too good to play all that sort of stuff and functions and all that. Turns out literally one of the best things I ever did for my playing, for my career, is something that I continue to do. And when I have moments of clarity where I feel like truly I am one of the luckiest people on this planet, it's usually when I'm playing in a pub, in a covers band, with about four people in the audience. And I'm not even just saying that. I can literally pinpoint the times that I felt like that in the past. And the running theme is exactly that thing. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that maybe it makes you think about joining a cover band. Because it's fun. I'm not being funny. It's so much fun. But anyway, enjoy this episode and I will see you on the other side. I had this mad stigma when I was a kid. So growing up, started playing at 11, was playing with as many different people as I could. And I hit about sort of 16, 17 around there. And the subject of covers bands came up with my family, like, well, maybe you should join a covers band. And I was just outraged. It was like, no, I'm meant to be playing on tour. I'm meant to be playing professionally, you know, and I just had this thing about, um, all these negative connotations about covers bands. I was terrified that once you played in a covers band, that's all you would do. You would only ever play in a covers band. Um, and I didn't want to do that. I had this stigma that if you did that, you would only be in a covers band because as far as I knew, it was just, you know, people would be gigging every weekend and that would leave no room for anything else and playing with any other people. And that absolutely terrified me. And to me, I just thought, if I was seen to be doing that, I was so concerned about how people saw me and uh, interpreted what I did. Um, if people saw me in a covers band, then that means I wasn't a professional. All of this is completely mislaid and rubbish, absolute rubbish. So I wanted to say about the reality. When I hit 18, I think it was, in fact, 17, and sort of between 17 and 18, I was playing a gig in West London, a place called the Cobden Club. Yeah, uh, Four Sticks Live, which was a show that used to be on a long time ago. And I met this amazing bass player. He was playing up on stage and I was totally enamored. I was like, wow, he's really amazing, amazing stage presence, great playing. And I was like, I just want to be his friend. So we got chatting after the show and he said, oh, I don't suppose you're around next Friday. I've got this covers gig. Uh, the drummer's literally just pulled out. Would you be up for, you know, coming and playing? And I just thought, yeah, like I want to know this musician and I would like to play with them. So let me, let me go do that. So I did. And that was my first sort of, entrance into doing the covers thing it wasn't about right you are now in a covers band it was like let me just go do this gig with this guy George George amazing bass player great friend love him to bits um so yeah and actually the reality was something so different to what I thought it was and I mean I made a conscious decision that I think for the first probably two years I got into covers uh, maybe a year and a half, 
I played with one covers band regularly called Key, who was like a Kiwi uh, Australian covers band mainly. I mean, we did all sorts, but yeah, that was kind of the niche, if you like. Uh, uh, and we did gigs every weekend. But other than that, I was playing with other covers bands that were on the same circuit who maybe their drummer couldn't do a gig and they would call me and just say, do you fancy doing it? And I'd be like, yeah, I'll come and do a gig. And it wasn't, you know, come join our band. It was just, could you just come and cover this? Uh, cover this cover. Um, and yeah, so this was my entrance into the covers band circuit. And what, I, what the reality was that I didn't even think about or look past because I was so worried about being stifled is I ended up learning hundreds, and I'm not joking, hundreds of songs. And every week there would be like a new song or a few new songs to learn. Um, and sometimes there'd be periods where it'd be like, right, let's have a rehearsal. That was a big deal. Let's have a rehearsal. That means that there would like be a chunk of new songs. So I'd be learning so many different new songs by artists, some artists I'd never heard of. I mean, these guys would be huge on the other side of the world, but not in the UK. And some of them were huge songs worldwide. And what happened was you ended up, or I ended up learning iconic songs played by iconic drummers playing iconic drum parts. And by default, you just end up understanding what makes a great song, what amps up an audience. You know, you can actually play around with during the gig or noticing, it was more at first noticing what did get people going, uh, what didn't, what killed a vibe, what brought vibe, how I could bring vibe and, you know, also inadvertently how I'd kill it without trying. Um, it's also where I learned about groove the most because there was a direct result right in front of me. If I was in the pocket with a bass player and a guitarist, I knew it because everyone would be dancing. And if we lost it, oh, they'd stop they'd stop pretty sharpish. So it was this great lesson with immediate feedback. It was absolutely incredible. So that was kind of the reality. And as I say, when I tell you I was learning hundreds of songs, I actually was at my parents the other week and found this box of uh, charts that I'd written. I, I can't remember the dates, but it was, I think I worked it out that it was around about 2010. It was literally, it was either just 2010 or it's 2010, 2011. I've only gotten through about a third of the charts so far, but already I've, I've uh, looked through a good 150 charts. So that being said, there's around about 450 charts that I wrote over that two year period. And that was sort of the frequency of songs that I was learning and the amount of work that I was doing. It was just, you know, at the time you don't think about it. It's just, you know, yeah, 10 charts for this gig, 20 charts for that, three charts for that. And it's just, it all, adds up and um, that's the other thing it taught me how to learn songs so quickly because very often I would be called on the day or the day before a gig to cover for another drummer because that's the other thing so for the first year and a half as I was saying I was in one band and I would do the odd spattering of other bands if they needed me and then after the year and a half the singer of that band actually left to go home to New Zealand and Instead of sort of going, right, I need to join another covers band, what I actually did was go, right, because of my fear of only being in one band, which I've always had, uh, <laughs> I thought, well, why don't I be the Depp girl? 
But again, consequently, as I say, what that meant was I would be getting called the day of or the day before a gig and just going, ah, our drummer's got food poisoning, can you come and do this? And they'd be like, yeah, great, just send over the songs. And a lot of the time, you, you know, on a lot of those covers gigs, there's a lot of the same songs, but occasionally there'd be three, four, five, whatever, that you wouldn't know and it'd just be like, oh, wow, okay, I better learn these. So for me, that was charting them and I'd just do a quick chart and, eat, and then I'd listen to them on the way to the gig and if I felt confident, then I wouldn't use the chart, but if I wasn't, then I'd use it and just have it by my foot and, you know, just take a cheeky glance when needed. But the point was is that I got the job done, the band were happy, they would call me again if they needed a debt and it all just worked brilliantly. And, you know, some people did ask me to join their, their bands as a regular uh, drummer and... I very politely sort of declined because that wasn't my goal. My goal was to be playing, as it still is, <laughs> playing with lots of people. I just love playing with lots of different people. So, uh, yeah, I, I made it work for me. I made it, I didn't even realise I was making it work for me until, well, recently when I was sort of like looking back and realising how beneficial, ah, beneficial it was. But as I say, you're studying great songs that are timeless and you know people love there's a reason that they love that and the drums will be part of that so if you can sort of ascertain what it is about drum parts and, and song structure that really makes a song brilliant and then you can replicate that in other areas of your life so if i was playing with an originals artist i would know how to bring energy going into the chorus or the middle eight or whatever uh, i would know how to just create interesting parts of the song without taking away from the fact that it was a song and then further down the line the benefits of that like I say playing with originals artists great especially playing live because at the end of the day if you're playing covers bands chances are you're playing fairly regularly and I think it's always great to be out playing live honing that craft I think it's very underrated how uh, how beneficial it is to be playing live so often and I mean, I developed my perform the performance side of my playing through covers bands. I remember distinctly doing a gig at the Redback Tavern in um, Acton, and I can't remember the circumstances, but I was playing, and for some reason, I was playing sort of with my head down for the whole gig. I don't know whether maybe I was tired. I really don't remember. What I do remember is coming off stage and some random fella just going, you know, you're a really good drummer, but you should really put your head up and, you know, because it looks like you weren't enjoying it. And that was just shocking to me because I was like, I love what I do. I can't believe that that's been coming across like that. So then I started making a conscious effort to put my head up and look at the audience and maybe move around a bit. And now I've ended up being in a complete, you know, ah, animal. Um, not animal as in playing, oh, she's an animal. No, literally like the Muppets animal sometimes. Um, <laughs> So yeah, there was great benefits to that. And then even this past weekend, I've been recording um, with an amazing artist who I've had the privilege of working with for the last 10 years called Joe Burt. And we were recording some new songs and we were, we were uh, doing this one particular one. And he was like, it's kind of like the kinks, I suppose. Like there's a bit of that kinks kind of thing going on. And as soon as he said it, I was like, right. I get it, I know exactly what you're saying because I've played songs by the Kinks, again, probably for the last 14 years and and regularly, like not just once or twice, hundreds of times I've played the Kinks, I'm pretty certain. Um, and it was great and it was just like everyone was on the same page because we all had that same reference and it wasn't just listening to the Kinks, 
it was knowing the parts, it was knowing the drum sound, it was knowing the whole sort of vibe. And had I not, or had I not have done all those covers gigs and continue to do them, I wouldn't have that point of reference. And the reason that I say continue to do them, there's always new songs coming out that are now like big hits and you've got to go play them. And you've got to understand the difference between a song that was written in the 60s, why that's so great and connects with so many people. But equally, there's one that catered, ones that have come out this year that connect with people in exactly the same way. Completely different vibe, but it's all the same energy. And it's just, it's so useful to understand that. The other slight added benefit is also, it's a great way to earn a living. <laughs> so when I, I moved out of home, it was because I was doing enough covers gigs to warrant paying rent. And it was great. I knew that if I did X amount of gigs a month, my rent would be covered. So it was like, cool, that's doable. And I'm not saying it was easy and some months was a struggle for sure, but it worked. And the thing is, is that if you're getting paid to play and learn and all this amazing stuff that will serve you in the future, there really is no downside. So if you have these sort of like, like I did, these, these debilitating thoughts. And as my dad always says, there's always a reason to not do something. And I always try and remember that when I start talking myself out of things. Um, but I think the benefits of playing covers, playing in the covers band, oh, you get to meet lots of people as well. That's another bonus. And as I say, that's like my favorite bonus ever in life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd say if you have some sort of reservation please listen to all the positives that I've gotten from it at least and I hope that they resonate with you and it makes you think actually do you know what this would probably be very beneficial to my career. At some point I'm going to upload all the charts that I did over that two year period and you'll seriously see the amount. Oh that's the other fun thing when you end up playing with the actual band that wrote the song and you've already played their song hundreds of times i.e the darkness. <laughs> it's amazing it's like cool well I know that one well two of theirs I was like I already know those ones because I've played them loads, so that was great. Um, and having that confidence really helps. It just is like, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable here, so it's good. But anyway, I'm going to stop rambling on. I'm sure you've listened to enough of me, blah, blah, blah. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And like I say, it, if it made you think about the way that you think about covers bands, hey, I was in exactly the same spot as you right now. Uh, if you are in covers bands right now, amazing! I'm so happy for you. I hope you have as much fun in them as I do because I, I truly just love them so much. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and next week I'm going to be talking about something very scary, at least to most drummers, actually most musicians really, uh, at least in the beginning. It's actually now my best friend and that is, oh god that sounded so sad like I have no friends. Okay, it's one of my best friends and that is the click dun 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 i think i'm getting geekier and geekier by the minute and it's kind of scaring me a bit <laughs> anyway join me next week for that episode i will be debunking any myths i hopefully will be give giving you a bit more confidence if you are struggling with playing the click or wonder why you should be playing with a click you know i i battled it for years and years but now as i say i've made peace with the click and actually i really love it it feels like whatever situation i'm in it's another member of the band or the situation and actually 
yeah, I kind of love it. But anyway, uh, also, I just wanted to say that the response for the Successful Musician Mindset Toolbox uh, has been absolutely overwhelming. So this is a resource that I'm creating at the moment. It's going to be an online course that you can take, which gives you some actionable steps to get yourself in the best headspace possible for carving out a career in this crazy music industry. And it is crazy and you will have lots of things to deal with. And the thing that seemed to get in my way the most coming up and still now I'd say is my mindset. So I thought I'd create a resource of things that I have used in my career to just get me that next step further and get myself out of my own way and be kind to myself and realise that maybe I'm not an imposter in this scenario and maybe I don't need to be anxious before this audition and it's made me really enjoy every moment that I have in my career. Even if it's going wrong, I sort of can step back and appreciate it for exactly what it is and really take the positive from pretty much every situation I'm in, which is, I mean, if you'd have told my 18-year-old self that I could be in this headspace, I would never have believed you because it has been a rough, rough journey up until this point. And if you've been listening to this podcast or watching my YouTube series for any amount of time, you'll know that because <laughs> I'm very candid about my experience. I think it's very important to me because I feel like I felt alone at the time. And the longer that I've been doing this, the more I've grown up, the more that I've realised that actually we all have very similar feelings in this industry. And I just thought it would be great to have a resource of practical steps and, you know, actions that you can take to just make things better in your head. So anyway, if you're interested in that online course, you can sign up to get all the latest updates about it. And that is, you can do that by going to www.adrummersguide2.com forward slash toolbox and there will be a link in the show in the show notes to that also if you have any specific questions that you'd like me to answer on any subjects anything you're struggling with within your career or anything like that then uh, drop me a message at info at a drummer's guide and I will answer your questions as best I can and that might be on a video that might be on a podcast episode who knows we shall see it depends how it inspires me in which way it inspires me uh inspires me <laughs> anyway I hope you're having an amazing day wherever you are whatever you're up to and I shall see you next week for the click Woo! anyway speak to you guys soon bye <laughs>